0: you're listening to two dudes one disc we're the most sought after music journalists, the greatest minds in the history of you really gonna make me read this
1: sh-? just read it
0: take on the most influential albums of all time here's your host michael Heidemann, on two dudes one disc
1: Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Two Dudes, One Disc. I am so happy to be taking on one of my favorite albums from growing up. This takes me back to the good old days of just being in college. No problems, no worries about the take on the real world. And there's no other person than I would like to take interventions and lullabies on with. Then the video magnate, the man behind the cam, and the president of the Nate Roost fan club, Mike Pokrifke. What's going on, Mike? Oh, you know, not a whole lot. Just uh, jamming out to some format. Um,
0: Well, I'm going to push back on you a little bit because, uh, you know, I'm... I've told you before. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of the band Fun. Um, <laughs> I
1: know. I thought you'd like that intro. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, so I, I know. It's,
0: it's hard to say that. By the way, that that's how they get you. You're like, I don't like Fun, and then you immediately seem like a terrible person. But uh-huh. we're talking about the band. But that's like. That's how they get you. You know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit different. Uh, well, let's not give out too much away. Yeah. We are taking on interventions and lullabies, the first album and second release by American rock band. The format. Produced and recorded by R. Walt Vincent, and it came out on October 21st, 2003. We're coming up on, what, 16 years of yeah. this album, which yeah. it makes me feel so old, but at the same time, is so good, because this was a great time for music, and I'm constantly reminded of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is an album that uh, definitely, it stands out in that era, in mm-hmm. in my opinion, because they, they, they came from the crop of, like, pop-punk, emo, like, all that stuff Mm -hmm. uh and then they came out with this kind of like straight pop rock album yeah and it doesn't fit with it's one of these things are not like the others but there is it's just it's got this production value to it that you wouldn't really associate with a band that's you know coming out of nowhere yeah Um, but we can get to that in a minute
1: no that's a really good point well let's talk about this first song real quick it's Honestly one of my favorite songs of all time like if I needed to put a list out there I know I'm gonna get a lot of haters on this. Let's say top 10 songs this song would absolutely make it i mean it's just that's... fun at least one of the best openers to any album oh that I've
0: yeah ever heard. and that, that's something that i mean just listening to this album again to get ready for this um it's so unassuming the way it starts mm-hmm. there's no grand and it's just the little drum beat followed mm-hmm. by the littlest like simplest guitar riff yeah and it kind of just catches you off guard in a way where you're kind of like oh. what's what's happening here, you know, and then... What are these feelings that I'm feeling inside of my body? It's like, it's happy, (laughs) but not too happy. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know, it's just, it it really grabs you. And I think that this song, I mean, if you've heard of The Format, this is probably the song that hooked you.
1: Absolutely. uh,
0: Which is funny because it's called, uh, it's the first single and the band's called The Format, which they both both those things to kind of poke fun at the idea of like what pop music is mm-hmm. uh they, you know the, the, they're following the format of what a band a pop punk a pop uh, rock band is, and uh the first single is this because this is the single on this album they, they thought like this is the one that a record company would call the single yeah and uh it, and you know what it is it, it's
1: you're spot on with that because it's almost they're the smartest guys in the room who often who at the same time can play guitar and sing really well. So when I was listening to this for the first time, this was absolutely the first song that somebody showed me. I remember it was at DePaul University with Sarah Walter and she said, hey, you gotta check out this song. It's called the first single. It's by this band called The Format. And from the minute I heard those nice acoustic um, B and E strings being being plucked, I was like, this is my band. I mm-hmm. And then when Nate Roos' voice gets in, I'm like, "Who? what is this high?" Pitched muppety kind of voice and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you just fall in love with it through the course of this song
0: um, And yeah, this is yeah, I, I would say I went to DePaul as well um, oh. And uh, maybe we were
1: in the same room at the same yeah, exact no. time
0: <laughs> I, I heard of them when I was in high school um, a friend of mine I was is, I was in a band um, and One of the guys in the band his sister went to University of Arizona So she had gotten their EP when it first came out mm-hmm. and this is also the first track on the EP mm-hmm. and I uh, had mailed it to him so Ooh. so i kind of heard about them pretty early on in the sense that you know he was just you had to check out this band they're called the format and uh yeah i mean even the ep i mean there's not that big of a difference between the ep and the actual album a lot of the tracks are the same the production is very similar uh so it is it is one of those things where they just come out with a sound that is so polished and tight mm-hmm. and confident they're they're very like they're they're confident in what they're doing and what they're making and everything they do is kind of in service of the song and it's like kind of a no frills sort yeah. of a feel to it yeah and so it just kind of caught me off because everyone just seemed to be trying so hard at that time
1: yes to have a it song was.
0: that just was straight musicianship and mm-hmm. that's it it really kind of it, it
1: stood out at the time well it's it's funny because i was looking back on some research of 2003 and what albums were coming out i mean that was uh what is it the postal services transatlanticism Came out that same year. Wait, Death Cab? You mean? Oh, Death yeah, Cab. Death Cab. See, uh, if anything... I was going to say, if Give Up accurate. came up
0: in the same year, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an insane uh, year. I'm making
1: but. a mark to see if I will uh, edit that for all that's the fine. music snobs let's out just, there Let's say it again. Let's say it again.
0: <laughs> when uh, Trans-Atlant- uh, Transatlanticism from Death Cab Cutie came out in uh, 2003, so now I can't even talk. So. <laughs> well,
1: now we got to yeah. keep you it You can, can leave it all in there. Yeah? <laughs> 2003 was such a great time for music. Like like you said, it was, a, it was a lot of birth of the emo music, a lot of pop-punk music, yellow cards, something corporate, worthy bands. Straylight Run had the, no pun intended, but a serious run going with their albums and the, and the songs that they were putting out. And that first single that we just heard was released on radio on January 27, 2004, um, and then subsequently the format went on their big tours supporting yellow card and something corporate so it's cool to see where it's going but you know what there's nothing to wait about we gotta get to this next song wait 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 see the, the good thing about this album it's one of those rare albums Interventions and Lullabies that you can listen to all the way through yeah, and everything is seamless
0: it's really well sequenced because um, i think this is actually one of the weaker tracks on the album mm-hmm. in my opinion not that it's a bad track i really i really like it mm-hmm. um but to me it's kind of this mellow um uh, but it's you have to do something you have to change it up after doing something like the first single yeah and this is kind of a nice like transitional song to get you into the rest of the album so it kind of lulls you in now actually um this song, I've never been a big fan of it on this album, uh, but they have released an acoustic version of it on one of their later EPs okay. that I just love. Yeah, and it's like just one of those things where just they switched it up a little bit in terms of the rhythm, and it it really changes the way you you hear the song. Um, hmm. And I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact, like you were talking about before, Nate's vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, on the acoustic version, they really shine. Whereas yes. in, in this one, they're kind of it's processed, it's buried in the mix a little bit more. Um, but I, I mean, still, I love this song. Actually, and this song was in an episode of Veronica Mars. Was uh, <laughs> ca- it? It caught me off guard because at the time, like the format, were... uh not really well known, and I was watching the show, and suddenly, like she's like in her dorm room and listening to the radio, and this comes on this was one, it wait, man. was it this or was it, it might have been Malcolm in the middle. I don't know it was one of those shows they were in, they, they pop up every now and actually, then actually both really good shows <laughs> yeah, to be a part of th- but it's really disarming to hear the <laughs> format just come on suddenly while watching TV it's not a band you expect to hear
1: it is because, and, and the other thing about the format is Nate Roos' vocals are so unique that yes. it's like boom that's a that's a that's a format uh, song and then it wasn't until Fun came out when I'm like oh the format's back together and it's like no this is this new band Fun and I'm like what? Yeah. Nothing makes sense in the world anymore. Yeah, the, the one thing I noticed when listening
0: to this album, um, and this song may not be the best example of it, but in terms of Nate's vocals, he's um, all the vocals are him mm-hmm. on the entire album. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does the ba- the harmonies, he does the
1: you know multi tracks. Yeah. Um, As opposed to the robot that Fun uses. Yes, they yes. use a neighbor's robot that, that just comes out of the closet every once in a while, right. and they go, get back to your but, job. But
0: um, he does it in a way, it doesn't sound multi-tracked. Like his voice, he has a really good range where he sings at a lower register and a higher register without it sounding unnatural. Mm-hmm. And so you'll hear him switch to being more like a bassy sound and then being more of a treble sound. And it's pretty interesting uh, yeah. that he's able to do both. And, and sound good doing both of them, and then also do kind of like the falsetto harmony and stuff
1: and his falsetto it's just so seamless with his normal voice that you almost forget that he's going into a different register or key you're like oh that's just part of this beautiful tone that I'm hearing from right. this
0: human being yeah there's the, it doesn't break down or anything like that like when I sing it. Um, it yeah it's it's interesting to to actually study from this standpoint and it's it, especially when you know where he's headed when you look at the music of fun mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the things that makes the format kind of um, fascinating to me yeah is that there's a journey here and you can follow it pretty linearly Mm -hmm. in terms of how their sound develops over the years that's right
1: and we're getting into our next song now Give It Up which is I love this song oh my gosh for the third you know there's something about the first and third and often seventh song in an album that you're just like wow that's like those are the pinnacle points because when you're switching around you usually go one okay then to two and then this, for a third song, it, like you said, it kind of sets the bed for the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're not going to get too crazy just yet. There's a lot of good stuff to come, and this is a great way to uh, to set that, that stage. So, so, I guess another reason why I'm really into the format is...
0: Um, I Love the Beatles, mm-hmm. uh, as basic as that is, uh,
1: and it's not basic. Well, everyone is. hates on the Beatles. I know. So much. Well, re- it drives right. me crazy. But it's obvious. I mean, yeah. it's uh, Now, Sam- you know what? I often think uh, the sidebar on that, and, and, and hold that thought for a second. But with the Beatles, it's it's so interesting because now. I love that band so much, and and I've tried to go through the, the conversations of people who don't like the Beatles. But the minute that somebody shits on the Beatles or doesn't like them for whatever reason they choose, or they say that the Rolling Stones collection is better, I'm I kind of lose a teeny bit of respect for that yeah. person. I'm like I'm like I don't know if we can can hang because because right. if you can't understand the majesty of the Beatles and what they went through, and surprisingly. Did all of that great work before any of them hit 30? I know. That's it's crazy. just the craziest thing in the entire world. Yeah, and I mean
0: the thing about the Beatles too is there is a uh, a degree of musicianship there. Mm-hmm. I mean they they have the reps. They played mm-hmm. in clubs every night for years before mm-hmm. they became famous,
1: and and, and played to you know, just imagine playing to an apathetic crowd as the Beatles. So you're mm-hmm. you're playing yesterday and people are like next. next <laughs> it's yeah. just like come well, on. And that's
0: and that's where um so we talked about Nate Ruiz, but mm-hmm. um Sam Means is the so the formats two. People people uh, Sam Means is the other half, and he taught himself to play guitar by every night he would pick up the same Beatles songbook and play it front to back. So that's wow. how he learned how to play. Um, so when you listen to this album, you definitely hear kind of a Beatles influence on it. It's a very, like I said, no frills. Mm-hmm. It's um, everything's service to the music, and that's, I mean, for this time in terms of like that this scene of music like emo pop punk all that stuff Mm -hmm. um which i wouldn't categorize the format as those things um but they came from those scenes sort of absolutely uh but this music it's very layered and deliberate and i've heard sam say that it's almost like his limitations as a musician are a lot of like what crafted their sound Because there's no ripping guitar solos. There's no... Mm. Mm -mm. No instrument really dominates uh, any of the mixes or any of the tracks. It all kind of flows in together into this one cohesive, well-thought-out produced piece. Like, even this song, there's, like, slide guitar. Yeah. uh, And switches between piano, uh, keyboards, you know. And when you look at the actual album credits, it's like... uh, They have some studio help, and then Sam does everything else, like all the instrumentation, and then Nate does vocals and hand
1: claps.
0: (laughs) And, uh, but I mean, it works. It it totally comes together to to form. Do they really add hand claps on the album? Yeah, on the album notes, it has
1: Nate. Nate does the hand claps. (laughs) So. Well, <laughs> you mentioned the band members and who's uh, who's a part of it. It was Sam Means, Nate Roos, Mike Shea, D- mm. Don Raymond, and Marco Buzzard. Yes, those were, they came out after
0: the first album to tour with them and then kind of became like full-time members of the band. Really? Uh, yeah, so they were just friends from... Arizona, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure where all of them are from, but um, so this first album was almost entirely Sam and Nate, um, and then the other three they kind of added as a touring band, and then they all performed on the second album, mm-hmm. um, which is a totally different animal band.
1: Yeah, yeah that uh, different sound, everything. It it really is, and oh, I, maybe we should go yeah. into another episode where we dive. Yeah, into yeah, that. we'll do that one later. This next song, "Tie the Rope," <laughs> I mean, emo, and emo, the emo, on the this emo song. This is the emo
0: song. Yeah, it's just the most emo I think that they've ever put out.
1: Round. Um, oh, but it's like the the structure of these lyrics and this melody are just so every song is so catchy. Yeah, that's and that's something that um
0: that i i was listening to an interview with sam Mm -hmm. and he points out and is what i've always thought about the format is i mean i I kind of said before you know nate does vocals and hand claps and that's it but Mm -hmm. uh nate as you see throughout his career his strength is hearing a melody in his head and bringing it out and this album i mean is nothing if not melodic uh every everything has a great hook Um, He like this song is kind of you know, it's one of those that they juxtapose really depressing emo lyrics with this really upbeat poppy sound Mm -hmm. Um, Like just tie the rope (laughs) It's uh it's pretty hefty stuff But it sounds so fun
1: Hey You know what Until We did this podcast mm-hmm. I did not realize That this song Was about That suicide Yeah I it's, Gasping yeah. for air
0: Yeah It's more like murder Cause he's telling oh, Murdering her, He's telling her To kick Murder to kick suicide the chair. Yeah. Oh jeez But uh Yeah It's like it's like uh, Talking about you know, Being in a relationship That feels like he, You're suffocating Yeah uh, And the other person's Suffocating you So it's like One of those things Where it's not just He feels he's suffocating He feels the other person is hanging him.
1: Hey, everyone can relate to that, Uh, though. Yeah, I think think it's it's, relatable, especially
0: when you're uh, like 16, 17, and just making your way in the world and learning relationships. That's
1: why this album holds such strength in my own life, because I was right at that time where I I was eating up every single emo album that I could, and everything was speaking to me, and every relationship somehow coincided with whatever song I was listening to that week, whether it be Bayside or Alkaline Trio or The Format. I mean, it's very interesting to see how an album can sink its teeth into you during a time in your life. Yeah, especially with at uh, that time of life you you live and die by relationships and you mm-hmm. live and die by
0: music. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, everything about it kind of ties together and you have such strong emotional attachment to every track. Like I think this album, I can pick out moments from my life when these songs were playing or like I was on my way. What to were this you doing place. during Tie the Rope? Tie the Rope. What, well tie the Rope on, was that song Mike was Po's more uh, that this song came up more often than not because it's so catchy mm-hmm. uh this was definitely one of my top like singing in the car songs when i was uh 17 <laughs> uh you know dra- driving around uh you know trying to hit those whoa whoa is really up high uh, oh
1: yeah 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 and then hard, too-
0: hard to sing same with this next one here too this is uh the other uh good car
1: song tune out mm-hmm. by the format so what was what was a young Mike Pokrifki doing when he was listening to Oh, this is a good song, yes. Mike. This is this a good is, one. This oh. is the ultimate driving song from the format. Talk um, about a talk Beatles it. influence, by the yes. way. This oh, is, yeah. you can almost pinpoint the Beatles songs. This is like during uh, a little revolution, a little bit of um, those uh, those middle album Beatles when they were getting into the drugs. Oh uh, yeah. And they were singing a little bit more Beach Boysy kind of 1965ish. Right. Or-ish? And
0: that's actually... And it's funny you bring up those two things because I think that um, the format is like they start as the Beatles and morph into the Beach Boys (laughs) as as you listen to them. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's kind of this song, especially, yeah, the piano with just the acoustic guitar. It's a very uh, pared-down kind of sound. Uh, But again, another catchy catchy hook about being stuck in traffic on the 51 in Arizona.
1: Yeah. I mean, they... It's it's a very Arizonish album. In fact, um, before uh, becoming uh, the format in t- February 2002, Means and Ruse they had become friends uh, back in grade school and had started their first band, Never Gonna Score. Talk yes. about another emo band. Released emo. the EP, The Byron Sessions. And uh, we're in this, also in the band this past year, which, you know, g- got, some, got some steam. But then it wasn't until the first single just dominated local Phoenix radio. They grew to sell over 100,000 copies in the U.S. of their first album and then became like the Phoenix, um, I guess, like Poster Boys, to be honest, which I didn't know, again, until we decided to dive yeah. into this album. Now, that, I, I didn't realize most of the story behind the
0: format until fairly recently actually i, I kind of came in at you know later after they'd kind of gotten their start and kind of blown up nationally almost yeah uh, i was like right before they kind of blew up nationally and see them on every tour um but the thing that kind of surprised me about them is yeah they were in a band called this past year and actually uh sam said they first met because they were in the Weezer fan club <laughs> and met at a show that like somebody was like, "Oh, you love Weezer? You should meet Nate."
1: Wow, and so, really? Yeah,
0: so they met at a Weezer concert originally, okay. and they played in a couple bands together. But from what I understand, they weren't like the closest friends. Like, they like they each had friends in the band, but they were like kind of thrown together mm-hmm. sort of thing. I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, that's how I picked it up from what Sam was saying. Uh, but he said that. Um, he had booked studio time to do the EP for this and had no plan. Like, he had a band and then they kind of fell apart and still had the studio time. So, his thought was, oh, screw it. I'm just going to go in and, and record. Yeah, yeah. And so, he had these tracks written, just the instrumental parts, and like the week prior, or like, you know, two weeks prior, just decided he'd kick a demo over to Nate and be like, do you want to record vocals on any of these? And so he said that they took the tape and wrote all the stuff, and they came in, and that's how their first EP came to be. And then most of that EP is largely untouched on this album. They just mm-hmm. kind of upped the production value a little bit, mm-hmm. made down better drum tracks and stuff. But like that's kind of how they formed. They formed kind of almost accidentally, like by chance. Um, and so it, that's why it's kind of interesting to see them have such like a polished sound. Uh, and, you know, become what they became because of the fact that, you know, it just seemed like sort of uh, an accident almost.
1: Yeah. Like they were both really ready to put out an album. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to our next song, I'm Ready, I Am. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to ask you, because you, know, you and I had spoken about this album a little bit beforehand, and I was wondering why didn't Sam means become the type of uh, artist and and reach the level of fame that Nate did like what happened this, to this Sam this mysterious character yes, from the yes, format Sam.
0: well Sam uh, owns a merch company now called Hello Merch that, that serves a lot of bands actually this record was made by Sam it's like his company this is the, the pressing they did of, of this album, a uh, album Sam, Sam owns right the company here. that makes these um, but they um I mean, there's a couple of things that he's never really talked openly about why they split up mm-hmm. to my knowledge, at least, um, as an outsider. I mean, he has a daughter, um, okay. and did, so from, from early on, did he have this daughter? Um, I, she was pretty young When they broke up I think for, You know Probably a toddler or Something okay. like that like okay. crazy, But like, I, I'm assuming That's an important time yeah, In your life though. And I'm assuming You know As a father myself I I'd assume It's the whole idea They were a touring band they, mm-hmm. they were constantly Getting on tours And opening for people And it's like At some point You just want to be home With your family Yeah And so yeah. I mean I think when you look at Nate And the trajectory Of his career mm-hmm. It's like He was hungry For the spotlight oh, You listen to gotcha. him sing it, it, He's theatrical He He's, he's big. He, wa- he wants it, right? And Sam is, he's a little, he's you know, bring your lunch pail sort of a guy. He sits down. He does the work. You know, again, he lays down these chords. They're on rhythm. I
1: wrote most of the album. Yeah. Um, I mean, give me a break. And it, and they went, they were relentless with their touring. That's what oh, yeah. I saw in a lot of my research was the fact that they played every single day. I think I've seen them probably like 11 times in concert or You've seen like them that. 11
0: times? Probably. The format? Yeah. So, it's, you know, I and I've missed a few key ones in there, but I mean, they 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 were in town a lot, especially Chicago. They came to Chicago a lot.
1: That's what I. That's what I would always mm-hmm. hear. And like, the thing was, I was so focused on Blink One Eighty Two, Weezer, mm-hmm. like we had mentioned, those bands. The Foreman was often overlooked. I wasn't into the the smaller shows just yet. I was, but you know getting to see the format and and because i thought they would always be around i'm like this is a band that's up and coming i don't think they would become this important in my life what were those first shows like like what was the scene or the energy in the room when they play again they they came Mm -hmm.
0: like they came around a lot Mm -hmm. so i saw them like 11 times but i still missed like a lot of the first shows Mm -hmm. in chicago but i will say that uh it was it was nice they were low-key but like upbeat and so it was kind of like a little bit of a dance party. You know, it was, the shows were never overly crowded. Uh, it was like you had your own little space to work with. People just had a good time, hung out, danced around. It was just feel good. It was, it was a lot of fun. They sound great live. Yeah,
1: uh, I that, can imagine.
0: That's, I mean, that's the other thing, is when you have an album that's basically purely musicianship, like this one was, um, You know, that's and it's what easy. they do live.
1: Yeah, it's in, it's easy, straightforward musicianship. There isn't a lot of pedal usage. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of distortion with your amp, so you're not trying to find a specific sound. This is just, you could you Talk could about probably... seventh tracks. <laughs> is this one of your favorite?
0: On the this porch. One, yeah, this one's fantastic. On your porch. And your again, porch. this is just a guitar yeah you know and just a guitar and vocals and when you listen to the the lyrics of this song this is I love this song because it it is a a very personal song when you listen to the lyrics it's about leaving home uh, and and moving on to the next stage of your life but kind of leaving your family behind Um, and just just listen for a second Um,
1: Start to close i turn to you and i'll let you know that i love you oh, it's, it's, it's sing me
0: to sleep Nate. It, we have this upbeat pop rock album and then it kind of grinds to a halt here mm-hmm. and it's almost like you know the 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 show the the show's stopping the curtain's coming down and you're just hearing this very personal account it's talk, it's talking about a sick father yeah yeah and what it's like to leave home when there's all this mm-hmm. drama happening at home mm-hmm. and you know, choosing again to go for this career and you listen to it uh, it's coming up a little bit there's a great lyric in here where he says it's time to get out of the desert and into the sun mm-hmm. even if it's alone uh
1: and really really thoughtful thoughtful timeless lyrics you, right. you know this could be easily a pop song easily a country song yes and yet it just fits so well in whatever the format want to go by a folky indie pop Mm -hmm. and i mean and again again
0: this is like it comes off so personal and you look at the fact that i said before like nate seems so hungry for the spotlight and this is kind of like his active decision like Mm -hmm. i'm going to leave home even though it's hard and i'm going to make myself into something Mm -hmm. and uh it's it's an interesting message, and, and it, but again, this song kind of slows down. It's all in service of this story, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons that I love the format. Is yeah. they can, they kind of know when to step back. They know when to be big. They know. What, it's and low. it's one of the reasons why I don't love fun uh, but we well, <laughs> well,
1: so fun fun <laughs> does have really really sad songs mm-hmm. um, if, if you can look through all of the heavy production and drum beats and right. uh, and horn sections well
0: that's the thing it's fun very talented yes. I mean Jack Antonoff you know you just look up his credits and yeah. see what he's done in his career. Amazing.
1: Um, amazing performer, amazing singer, a, a great way, a great person who looks at songs differently, Jack Antonoff and the way that he structures songs and there's a lot that he can do with a song that might sound one way on an album, totally different live. Well,
0: and the, the thing about the format that I think, I think one of the reasons that they interest me more than fun is fun seems like a very united front. They're moving in a common direction mm-hmm. the format I think their sound actually comes from the fact that Sam and Nate's sensibilities are kind of diametrically opposed to each other so like I said Sam is I'm just I'm just here to play some music in the studio and write some songs and Nate is I'm going for the spotlight Nate is theater Broadway Nate is uh you know I want to loudly stand on a rooftop and proclaim my love to this girl <laughs> and Sam is I'm gonna write her a note and you know slip it to her between periods you know like it's <laughs> it's, it's a great one of those way to look things. at it and so So uh, I think that together it it kind of like creates this weird, like nice common ground where Sam's like musical sensibilities and restrictions in some ways uh, kind of box Nate in to like work within this, like this arena where they just create these really thoughtful pop songs where you know, fun is is a bit bigger, and mm-hmm. and the production's through the roof, and all that stuff. And,
1: and maybe that's why there aren't as many diehard loyal fans to fun as there are to the formats.
0: Right, fun plays big in an arena. Mm-hmm. You know, the format doesn't. That's mm-hmm. and it's, Stephen, different Sam things. would be
1: into that. He would well, be so. Against
0: I don't know. It's, <laughs> a, that's that's the thing. And I mean, it, that's that's what I was saying before. Is linearly you look at the way the format's music evolves over time, and uh, where fun ended up, and then. Sam's released a couple solo projects himself um, Much in the vein of the format in the first single. He has an album called 10 songs um, Look at and, that. Uh, it's, what, a,
1: what an interesting mind, Like yeah. you know, he he gets music, right? but He just doesn't care enough to name it, you know, it's it's crazy So you mentioned a little and that's by the way mm-hmm. on your porch an amazing an amazing mm-hmm. song It that's the kind of song you end your mixtape to your girlfriend with That's <laughs> <Yes>, for sure <laughs> For sure, uh, this next one this is called "Sore Thumb." It's—I don't really remember getting this far through the album, like really ever. I guess I—I I know "Career Day" I've listened to. Yeah, "Career Day" but, is one of my favorites. But this is thing. the first time I've really listened to the album all the way through, probably since 2003.
0: Well, and then this song kind of comes out of again uh, sequencing. We just had this like mellow, mm-hmm. very barren song, and now we're full production mode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know upbeat uh this is also another kind of emo one though actually uh yeah yeah but but, uh this one is uh, again one of their actually most like popular ones actually they play it live at almost every show okay um and you know it's one of the standouts actually just in the sense that it's like one of the bigger songs on this album Mm -hmm. um I don't know I've always liked it Fine I, I, It's never been Like a, my, one of my favorites
1: But I always enjoyed Hearing it live And yeah, all that stuff So when you saw The format of 11 times yeah. Who would you go To these shows with? Um, who was your well, like, Good Your like Format buddy Who was your Sam so, Or was your,
0: who was your Nate? It was one of those things So the first couple times I went with uh, My friend who Showed me The format um, mm-hmm. His name was Eric Wagner I'll give him a shout out Shout out Eric uh, But uh, he showed me The format So we went to A couple shows together And then you know I got really into them And so I'd take out friends uh there was another girl that was older that we'd go with who actually knew nate so really? we'd go to a lot of the shows because she was going so every time they were in town playing places i would actually hit her up because mm-hmm. i figured she was going mm-hmm. um so i met nate one time through her uh and it was fine uh, well you gotta, you gotta <laughs> tell us that story well no it's See weird because like means- she she knows him and so like her thing was like hey you gotta be cool man like you know, don't freak out over this Did she give
1: you A pep talk and before yeah, She, yeah, she like, like, took you To different she, rooms So it was me think.
0: And the aforementioned uh, <laughs> Eric Okay And uh, we're going To the show And she's like Just be cool He's a, he's a normal guy And mm-hmm. he doesn't it, We don't want to do The whole like Fan thing
1: By the way you're, It's not like we're talking This about is
0: pre-show too
1: Freddie Mercury Or like Axl Rose yeah, We're yeah, talking about a- Nate Ruse. Who's who's just starting in the yeah. format?
0: and so like she's just like you know don't don't fan out on him because it was pre-show too. It wasn't like so it was like you know we met him briefly like for ten minutes before before like, he came out. Again, yeah, nobody knew who he was. He was just standing in the lobby of the metro. <laughs> Uh, talking to us, uh-huh. but like, uh, so I'm just going. Oh, hey, nice to meet you, man. And then uh, my my buddy's like, Oh my god, I heard you guys for the friend, just like totally fans out on oh, him.
1: Oh man, he blew and it. So
0: he, he totally blew it, and uh, so like <laughs> he kind of like was like, Cool, great, great to hear, and kind of excused himself. And I was like, Well, that was the worst possible outcome for this.
1: That <laughs> was your uh, fan, your friend? Like, that was the coolest. I don't thing, know.
0: Man. No, I think I think he knew we blew it. <laughs> He probably uh, He had to have It was bad It was really awkward <laughs> Was it bad? Was there yeah, like a, Was there like, like A even time like, when Nate
1: Was like looking away Doing that like, he, like he, It was kind of
0: like, like like I'm sure it was like One of those things Just was like Why bring these guys You know uh, <laughs> yeah. And like I was like Trying really hard To like downplay things mm-hmm. Like I was like Whatever You know Like trying to be cool And so <laughs> It probably just led To this really weird exchange I'd
1: and, like to think of you all Like with like The format t-shirt sign <laughs> at the Yeah actually time. I think he did
0: sign a shirt For me before he left And, oh, then, well, my, you and then my mom Washed it So no. Kind of came right out. Um, Yeah, so that happens. Yeah, Uh, I remember not being that upset about it for some reason. Even though they're like my favorite band at the time.
1: You know what? I that's funny you say that because now do you remember when autographs were the thing? I know, yeah, the thing. And now when I get my shirts written on, because like I had a time where I bought a T-shirt and the guy from the guy that Mm -hmm. I wanted to see, um, and he signed it. And I was I was a big fan of this guy. Mm-hmm. But like all I could think about was, dude, come on now I'm not gonna be able to wear this. I like know. it has a big
0: scribble on I it. I know, that's the one thing is it's like you're you're like, Oh great, you signed my shirt, and then you're like, I can't wear it, can't wash it, can't So like I yeah, I well, I
1: washed it, I was just like yeah. screw it I At some need- point you're just I like, I'm just the shirt. Autograph. <laughs> worth,
0: it it cost me thirty dollars.
1: <laughs> T shirts are so expensive now. They're <I> so expensive. But you probably met Nate before the the time of the selfie.
0: Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was definitely my, my, I mean, that's why I have no record of like any of their concerts because, mm-hmm. you know, cell phone photos were garbage. They were, oh, wow. they were,
1: you know. They were all garbage. Yeah, they they were, were, were always blurry. Were and Legos. Do you remember like winding your camera and be uh-huh. like, Clean. Yep. And yeah. All of them turned bad, and then you'd get them back from the uh, from Walgreens or something. And two would be usable. Yeah, two
0: would be de- decent. Yeah. And
1: they, but they still look like the kind of like pictures you would like a serial killer would put up on his my, wall. You're like, Ugh.
0: my favorite thing about that is the fact that like <laughs> it was so policed too mm-hmm. at concerts. Like you're you have a disposable camera and you're mm-hmm. gonna take a photo of like the stage from the back of the <laughs> United Center, and the security guard like comes over and swats the camera out of your mm-hmm. hand. Like you got a good photo of. <laughs> anything
1: so it's, you can see anything and it's all like washed out it's like and also the, the, the lighting would always be terrible and it would just be I remember just big blurry spots it
0: mm-hmm. would just be like where the lights or the, you know, the flash goes off so it's just the back of the head of the person in front of you brightly lit and then just like <laughs> darkness <laughs> you know
1: I remember those. I have so many of those from like all the shows that I went to and you like try to sneak it to I remember like yeah, yeah. you move really fast oh jeez! <laughs> but now it's like that was such a good time for music and never did i think about one day i'd be able to like everyone would have their phones up yeah
0: would we'll take 4k video would we'll
1: take 4k of, video with of. a
0: decent microphone
1: <laughs> but you know what? it's it's funny because now going to a show i mean growing up you and i are the same or like similar ages yeah. i think we are the same age yeah. but um when we were going to shows everyone was just the, the crowd and the people would actually talk to each other. I know, and then you'd make friends at shows. I, know. I haven't made a friend in a show in years. I know. You'd see. Know well, it's Maybe it's just the, me though. The Maybe other thing me. is that I think a lot has to do with the fact that, like, the
0: like, it, 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 I don't know. It's it's hard to explain in the sense that, like, back then, it felt like because there were so many more of these bands mm-hmm. and they were all constantly touring simultaneously, you'd go to a show and see the same person at three right? shows in a month. Yes. And then yeah. so you'd kind of be like, oh, hey, I saw you at this other show. And you'd kind of strike up a conversation. Mm-hmm. And because right, right away, there's like three bands that you, you both like.
1: Obviously, you guys would mm-hmm. get along. You'd have something to talk about, right? I remember and those days. That's
0: actually, um, and now this next talk is a. Well, are we going to? Yeah, we'll I was going to put it on pause right. because
1: we just we just walked through a mess to be made, which is another great Beatlesque, uh, beautiful is that pop song. Banjo, that sure. yeah, no a banjo. Great breakdown, cool bridge. What's
0: was that? It's not quite an accordion. um... It's not quite a <laughs> chord. Not, not quite an accordion, <laughs> uh, but no, it's. Uh, I mean, that's another song that it's like a very folk, very folksy. Yes, uh,
1: yes, and
0: that was something that the format kind of unlocked in me too. Mm-hmm. Um, was this kind of more of appreciation of that, like. Little southern twang, folk yeah. sort of. Song. You didn't think you'd be into it yeah. until you like until yeah. you see
1: a band do it right. Because
0: you just think like bluegrass, you yes. know, and it's like one of those things I was largely ignorant of mm-hmm. at the time. And mm-hmm. so to hear a band kind of incorporate incorporate these sounds mm-hmm. uh, to you know what they're doing, and then it kind of like was like maybe I should give some of you know, who are their influences. Maybe I should give this a shot. Maybe I should check out. You know. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, I looked I looked into their influences and one of their great influences was one of my favorite bands which is Electric Light Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Uh Jeff Lynne. Uh they I think they're actually coming back to Chicago fairly soon and that is you can see a lot of that weird again, it's beatlesque but like kind of from the future. <laughs> I guess you could say, and a little Beach Boys involved too. But but behind all of it is just great, solid musicianship, amazing guitar-fronted rock, which is just you know an amazing uh, influence. Really, format I could see it.
0: That was that was something that actually um, Sam touched on a while ago. They talking about the way the format kind of develops over time. Um, Sam felt when they started that. He was the better musician, mm-hmm. so a lot of the sound is like controlled and and carefully curated. Like he's a guitar lead, yeah. It's him taking the helm and doing these things, and Nate's just running melodies over them. Mm-hmm. And he said that so much of their musical journey and their writing journey together was him like relinquishing control to Nate, mm. um, and not in like a bitter way, but like in a way where it's like oh, hey, Nate has these opinions, and now he's coming in and saying, hey, I want you to make a sound that sounds like this and not, you know, me handing him a track and saying, I want you to put music o- put melody over this. Yeah, yeah, Um. And so it is, you know, it it sounds that way. It's, it's, it's very music first. It's very... It is. This is, this is the guitar track, and we're going to build around it. But they do take the time to consider how they build around it and what sounds are going to weave in and out. And mm-hmm. I think one of the cool things is all their songs while not feeling super dynamic there's like a change to them sonically as they progress there's a narrative there where instruments kind of could dip into the mix and then come out and you know it it builds in a lot of ways yeah um you know the
1: the the writing process for an album and i i'm a musician myself i play around here in the city but i've never put out an album and because half of the reason is because all my songs are shit number Mm -hmm. one (laughs) but number two i'm just joking some of them are okay uh number two though is the amount of work that goes into that that album and that and that production piece and then working with people not only in your band but your producer your Mm -hmm. engineer and getting all these things just right and I think that I'd be so OCD and so perfectionist that it would take me at least 17 and a half years to get like the first half of the album done
0: yeah and i mean that's a, the thing about recording music and especially these days now that it's so um accessible they mm-hmm. can get like a home setup that's decent enough to make something yeah. but the thing is you can just do it forever then yes and at least yeah. like what they were dealing with like i said it's like he had booked two days or three days in a studio mm-hmm So it's like, we just got to get in and get this done. (laughs) And so it's like at some, you got to give yourself deadlines. And it's one of those things where that's one of the things that music moving out of the recording studio has kind of changed, where bands seem like they're endlessly writing. And, And actually, Sam himself is one of those people now that he released an album and it takes him years to get up the... You know, work ethic to do another one because he's Mm -hmm. doing all this other stuff on the side. Uh, So he has these songs just sitting there, and it's just just a question of getting in the studio and recording it. But instead, it's like. (sighs) Oh, I got to do this thing first. Yeah. I got to do this Sam,
1: first. Sam, if you are listening, and I know you're a big fan of Two Dudes, <laughs> One Disc, you need to put out these songs already. We've been waiting long enough. We miss you, man. You, you Come should, on Yeah, out. check
0: out 10 songs. It's it's a couple years old now, but it, it's it's very good.
1: You know, um, let's dive into this next song. I yeah. wanted to keep just talking about what we're talking well, about, though. And this song. Let's make this moment a crime. This was on their original EP as well. Okay. It sounds largely the same. Just gotta take our time. It's like I love how clean the vocals. Jeez. You know, it's like it's like his his notes and the how he hits everything so perfectly, it's like he never stops singing. Like he's his voice is the like sixth instrument in the song. Right. And that's actually something that um you know, vocals and hand claps. Mm-hmm. Vocals and hand claps. He's,
0: he is an instrument. Um, and I think his voice is very um, emotive. It's... he. It's not whiny. It's mm-hmm. whiny-ish.
1: It's a little whiny. It's Yeah, it's like but one it's of like, those things where it's... But it's like... It's doesn't like a feel pleasant whine. Like,
0: yeah, he's not whining at you.
1: Yeah, he's not... He's not I mean... I was re-listening to a lot of old, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate on this too, but I'm going to just come out and say it. I was listening to Guns N' Roses the other day, and some old Guns N' Roses, and Axl Rose it sounds like he's whining at me now. I think I'm, I'm over like, there's months when I'm like, yeah, this is rock and roll. But there's sometimes when I'm like, God, man, his, how did this band get so famous? (laughs) It wasn't for the slashes, like seriously insane guitar solos. Mm -hmm. That guy's voice is just, you know, you gotta, you gotta do a right kind of balance. And and he does a right kind of balance,
0: Nate. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, it's, Again, it's at the time everything was whiny, so
1: that's really good point. It was one of those things the, where the birth of screamo guy. was happening.
0: Yeah, I know that's the crazy thing. Is it's? Do you have any favorite screamo bands? Scream well, favorite. That's a hard one because uh, I didn't. I listened to a lot of it, but again, it doesn't last. Like True. it's one of those. It was one of those fads. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, I guess if you would qualify brand new oh, as screamo, okay, because they yeah, do scream, but that. it's not like this. It's not central to their music, but they do scream. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're probably my favorite of that era, like Taking Back Sunday. Oh,
1: um, my gosh, yes.
0: Which they're kind of again less less on the screamy end of the screamo movement. There's
1: a lot. Taking Back Sunday is one of the most surprisingly awesome bands that I've seen in the last 15 years. I mean, really. See, listening to their albums, I wasn't that much on board. Seeing them live, I was like, I'm in. 100% oh, I saw man. them
0: live early and they
1: were so bad.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, went, like, so I'm really glad they turned speed. that around. They were, <laughs> it was one of those things, they were one of those bands that you'd see and you're just like, why am I here? You know? They were really, like, like, early Fall Out Boy live was terrible. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. know if you we went to any of their early shows.
1: Late Fall Out Boy is actually not, too, not much different. Really? Like, <laughs> but, but you know, there was a time when Fall Out, I, Fall Out Boy was like my go-to band for yeah. years and years and seeing them at the Met I mean there is something about the energy that even if they would have screwed up and they just like would have played all the wrong songs and all the wrong notes it was just the time for music. Yeah, to yeah, be there. it was a
0: it was a good show. Mm-hmm. It's just they it, it didn't sound it's not great. a good show. Yeah, it was. Whereas the it, again the format sounded great live. Um, yeah. And actually, you know, you talked about like seeing them live. Uh, one of the things that was interesting about the format is they wouldn't often like tour with the same bands. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw them with Motion City Soundtrack. Mm. Uh, I saw them with. Uh, they did a tour with like All American Rejects and something corporate towards the end there. I missed. That's one of the shows I missed because uh, I wasn't going to pay that much money to see a band I'd seen. Uh, bunch, a bunch of times <laughs> uh but uh one of the bands they played with pretty frequently was anathalo oh yes yes they're from michigan and um but they, they were kind of they were an interesting sound for sure they were way more mellow and like meditative music um but that's notable because the third member of fun is from manathalo uh the one i've his name uh andrew dost andrew, andrew dost yes, yes that's it um, yeah, he was from Anathalo and I, I discovered Anathalo through the format, and they they were amazing live. Oh and my so gosh, you can
1: imagine. I got
0: all their albums and like really got into them, mm-hmm. and like so it's like the format and Anathalo I'd go see Anathalo at Shubas. I you know like it's one of those things. that's <laughs> like the, those are my bands, and then
1: Fun killed both of them. No, that's oh, not, the not how it happened. The Fun died, made everything die. Well, this is career day. Yeah. We were both mentioning that we're both fans of the song. This is still probably this my favorite format song.
0: Um, and actually, interestingly enough, of all the time, they've only played the song live once when I've seen them. Really? Maybe twice. Okay. Maybe I'm misremembering. The the other show that I really like stands out to me in memory in terms of the format, because mm-hmm. um, they played with Anathalo at the Metro. That was one of the ones that really stood out um, because they kind of shared the stage and both played the whole night and it was a ton of fun that's so cool um, they did another show in the suburbs here where um Dr. Manhattan opened
1: for them. (laughs) I bet you, you and I went to so many of the same shows. We probably bumped each other a million times. Dr. Dr. Manhattan. Manhattan. They were friends of friends. Like my friends, You know, there was a time in the Chicago music scene where everyone knew. Yeah, everyone knew each other. Like 504 Plan, Dr. Manhattan, Knockout. Like all those guys. Oh, Knockout. Come on, man. They're they're actually. uh, Is Knockout still around? Uh, How about you, Punchline? Do you remember Punchline? I remember Punchline. <laughs> I think you told me recently that Knockout's still, still Oh, yeah, they're, they're coming back um, and then, uh, like, them and then all Plain White Tees. Plain White Tees, Flowers for Dorian, I remember, it was coming yeah. up. They, they would tour with, uh, tour with Dr. Manhattan a lot. I <laughs> yes. saw Dr. Manhattan at my local roller rink on more than okay. one occasion. All right, yeah. I wonder if I was at that show. Because I, I would, again,
0: I, Dr. Manhattan was, like, friends of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but they we were, like, from the up same and area. Coming. Yeah, and they were the, probably the band that got the biggest outside of like uh, outside of like follow-up by they were like the one that like was like the they were on the trajectory you know it just didn't quite the the scene kind of died for them truly Um, truly. but they opened I remember they opened for the format but it was I forget who the band was I was trying to find it the other night Mm -hmm. there was a bigger band Mm. that was playing as well like from Chicago? no no they were like a national like nationally known band okay but at the show they switched the lineup around mm-hmm. so this band opened and then dr manhattan played next and the format played next because they're we they're playing like 30 minutes from dr manhattan's hometown yeah 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 and uh and so you could tell this band was so salty that they had to open for dr manhattan mm-hmm. uh and so they they were like on stage openly like kind of complaining and scoffing about it but not i don't think they realized that like everybody there was there for Doctor Manhattan <laughs> and the format, right? Uh, so it was like one of those things where they were super, uh, super salty about it. But uh, I, I, remember that because everyone was kind of like, "Yeah, finish up your set." Wants you know to see what? The real I bet show. it was. I bet it was the Hush uh, sound.
1: <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm kidding! <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: oh, those jerks. Uh, They're actually which, the nice guys. But that show, nice girls was one of the shows where the format played this song. So nice. this is, but and this, I love this whole
1: another pick of the banjo. Yeah, more banjo. Just, just great, great. Uh, a piece of artwork this album is I mean, this I mean, is the night, night driving song oh this is yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then of course this great great chorus right here yeah where it just kind of like rings out pseudo over and over chorus yeah, so this is this is one of my favorites because this
0: is probably the one that I have like the, the strongest memories tied to. Just coming home from friends' houses, mm-hmm. you'd always be like you'd listen to the fr- front half of the album driving to wherever you were hanging out that mm-hmm, day, mm-hmm. and then on the way home you get back in the car and this is where it picks up, and so you're <laughs> kind of reflecting on your uh, on your day and what you did <laughs> and all that stuff, and this is kind of ringing out pleasantly in the background. So, where'd you grow
1: up, Mike? Uh, so I'm from like Zurich oh, originally. You know, um, th- this is. so... So weird mm-hmm. that you say that because yeah. I remember I like had was having a flashback as you were just speaking mm-hmm. uh, of driving back and smelling the grass and seeing the dead uh, like lawns in Lake Zurich <laughs> coming back from Gray's Lake, Lake Zurich, okay, yeah, and back home because this was a perfect just suburb when there's nothing to do and nothing to see. I mean, ride home kind of oh, yeah. kind of song.
0: And also, I mean, the other thing about it is because like. This is i'll take credit for this a little bit. This wasn't all me, but uh in terms of like my high school like the first, the first single, like I'd play that, like play, you know, my my friends and I in the band would play it, like at shows or stuff like that. And so, the format kind of became a thing in our, our school, and like so everybody knew who they were, yeah. Or yeah most yeah. people did, and like at least had some appreciation for some of their songs. So it's one of those things where it was not uncommon to get in someone's car and kind of catch this this track <laughs> coming on and stuff like that. So, oh was, man, those are some good times. Yeah, so this song really takes me back. It's probably the one that's yeah strongest tied to memory for me. And also, I I love the lyrics. Mm -hmm. I love everything about it. It's just uh, the—it's one of the songs that actually feels more grown up on the album, too. Just uh, the—you know—today's been a career day. Features made and fortunes lost.
1: It's—it's. I mean, it's so true because. This is a song that I think it, it, like the Arcade Fire could be like, you know what, I think we're going to cover Career Day for like one right, song. Right, right. Yeah, like a band that's established. It,
0: and... it feels like a, a little bit more like a step up in the maturity, <laughs> almost in the way that um, On Your Porch does. Yeah. You know, it's, it's introspective. It's, uh, it just like, it scratches at something deeper. Yeah. Which is something
1: that I found like
0: as I got older, I yearn for in music, you mm, know.
1: Something deeper. Like it. Yeah. well Mike we're already at the last song a safe situ a safe situation yes uh this has been incredible I want to keep uh and we will keep talking but um I don't think I've ever heard this song before <laughs> <laughs> well
0: um yeah this is this song actually i, I had to laugh because I um while like uh, we we talked a little bit how there's not a whole lot about this album on mm-hmm. the internet, and I w- was doing some googling and found a, like an old review of it. Yeah, and the reviewer loved this song, hated Career Day. Oh, uh, loved it. But this song is, in my opinion, their most forgettable song, and mm-hmm. it's the last on the album. It just seems like they kind of dropped it down here. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't like this song. It's my least favorite format song, probably easily. <laughs> um, so see, it influence. feels it feels very tacked on uh,
1: to this album. It was mixed by R. Walt Vincent, the producer of the album, and Chris Fudgrich. Sorry, guys.
0: Sorry. I don't like it. Um, Yeah, this is the one song from them that I just like... It to me, Career Day ended the album. It did. It's one of those things where
1: such a great closer to the album. Like this Mm -hmm. would be, this is a great song that you put like at minute fourteen of Career Day, like the secret song. Well,
0: right. I was just gonna say, this feels like a secret song, Mm -hmm. and actually, the way Career Day kind of rings out, Mm -hmm. because like the the Career Day repeats itself like eight times or something like that at the end. Yeah. So it feels repetitive, and you lose track of time when listening to it. It's one of the reasons why I love. You'd be driving around, and you'd forget you're still listening to Career Day, Mm -hmm. and you'd kind of drift in and out of it Uh, and so it always felt like a uh, this song always felt like a secret song because Career Day kind of like takes you out of the album nice and slow and then this song kind of builds in from silence and there's like highway sounds and stuff But um, it's a short little track, and again, like it always just kind of felt like it wasn't actually part of the album. Yeah. So I I never really appreciated it. I should probably give it a fair shake, to be honest. But uh, (laughs) it—I don't know—it never really grabbed me. But the rest of the album, I've listened to over and over again. This is like I'll I'll get
1: to the song and just be like, yeah, let's just go back to the beginning or Mm -hmm. switch to the next album or something. So. Truly one of the best albums of 2003, if not ever. And, uh, Mike, this has been a total pleasure. I, do need, I have so much more to talk to you about. We need to come back and do Dog Problems. I love Dog Problems. Um, that's, it's an amazing album. Uh, with Dog Problems, their next album that came out in 2006, I actually quit a job... Because of one of their songs on that album. Oh, really? Which yes. one? Yes, uh, it was the song. And and tell me if I'm right. I hope it's not a fun song. But uh-huh. I believe it is on Doug Problems. It's um, the uh, the lottery. Oh no, that's a fun song. Oh no, no, not the lottery. Um, the compromise. No, no, it's I think oh, it's maybe it's called Life Is a Gamble. Oh, uh, the, the,
0: so yeah, you're you're. This is actually something I, I was telling you about the other day. Um, that is a fun song as well. But it's a song that um on Fun's first album, I told you like. I gave Fun a, sh- a shot. Yes. And I listened to it and there were like maybe three songs that I was like, all right, I do really like these songs, you know, but I don't love the rest of it. <laughs> it's not grabbing me, you know, sort of thing. Uh-huh. And, you know, then the next album, I liked less songs and stuff like that. And um, a couple years ago, um, I follow Sam and Nate on, on Instagram and Sam posted an Instagram story that was like an old notebook he found. Mm-hmm. And it had a photo of the potential track listing for the format's third album. Mm-hmm. And the three songs that I like on the fun album Mm -hmm. are in the track listing for the format's third album. (laughs) So I was like, well, of course, that's why I like them, because they're more format songs than fun songs. Oh,
1: man. Yeah, mine Um, was,
0: uh, it was at least I'm not as set as I used to be. Oh, that's, yeah, that's the, the, that's on Dog Problems, right? No, no, that's 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 fun. fun, That's the first, yeah, yeah, Aim and Ignite, yeah. Great,
1: great song. I know, yeah. They're not all bad. Well,
0: and the funny thing about the format is, they have so many songs about record labels and like the being, oh, yeah, being in a band, and it's really funny because they didn't do much. They they recorded no. two albums.
1: That was it. A they were EPs. they were in and out. Two thousand three to like two thousand eight, maybe. Like mm-hmm. like dog problems came out in two thousand six, and then they were kind yeah. of like I guess dropped from their album. Like it, it says, yeah, like they, nobody they got, knows really what happened.
0: They got dropped by their label right before dog problems came out. Like they finished, they mm-hmm. recorded a lot of it, and the label heard it and hated it, and yeah. dropped them. Uh, And the the producer of of that album called them up and was basically like, hey, I'm willing to finish it if you are, you know, we just got to find some money and some time. Mm -hmm. And so they got together and decided to release it themselves. Mm -hmm. And then to make matters worse, this is at the time when like leaking music was like the big thing. And that album got leaked before um, it was formally released. So they put all this time and money into it themselves and somehow it got leaked. And so they ended up just like putting up for digital download and purchase. The next
1: 36,000 people downloaded the album at that time.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and now at that time, they talked a lot about the way the music industry was laid out. It was, uh, the label would get a huge cut of every album sale. And so, 36,000 isn't a whole lot, but it was 36,000 people that they were getting the lion's share of the purchase for. So, they said that it became a much more viable career for them once they kind of took things into their own hands um, and kind of, took control.
1: Yeah. So... On February 4th, 2008 is when they disbanded as a band with yep. a, with a single um message on the band's website. I know I remember opening up that post in my parents' basement. <laughs> I was home from college and oh, uh, no. on
0: my laptop and the weird thing about it was I remember I was sitting at like a table that I never sit at. Like I had like a laptop. Oh, something was up. And it was like something I was, was just, a foot. Something it was just something like I, I just happened to set up my laptop in a spot I don't normally do. Mm-hmm. And then I got this like alert that there was a new post on there and I opened it up and it's you know No way. That they're not a band anymore. And this is actually They You never sat in that
1: spot again. This is
0: yeah off the heels of their last tour, uh which was an incredible show. Mm-hmm. They played the Vic for mm-hmm. that tour. And like they, Ruben's accomplice, Steel Train opened for them. Wow! Um, and so, so
1: was Jack in Steel yeah, Train. Yeah, yeah Jack in
0: okay. Steel Train. And uh, so they opened for the format, and the show was amazing. Like mm-hmm. they, they went all out, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was so fun and I just remembered like leaving that show being like it's gonna be like this forever (laughs) (laughs) like like, it's gonna be the most fun show like this is the the best band to see live like all stuff and little did I know that they were like going all out because they knew it was probably the last time they were touring together oh man you know so it was one of those things where you know for me it was like oh man they're only getting better and better this is never gonna stop
1: like they say in The Outsiders nothing gold can stay boy, that's true well Mike um, I asked three questions when we end Mm -hmm. these uh, then the episodes of two dudes one disc Uh, are you ready to take them on yes of course okay they're actually really not that hard so don't worry about it (laughs) um so i need to know out of the formats very small discography Mm -hmm. uh what is your go-to karaoke song by them (sighs) oh that's hard um uh, i would say i mean i'll go with the
0: first single Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because that, that was the song that I would play live with like my friends if we like were playing shows or if we're practicing. It's also the song that whenever I pick up a guitar, I warm up with like, yeah, the opening yeah. riff of it. It's and like then just,
1: often, like you see people like if people like perk up and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." Like, yeah. It's, like, usually, someone's you like, get like, "Yeah." Me, you get I'm like,
0: I'll me. spare you the rest, but you know, <laughs> it's like a the the way you move your fingers when you play that opening riff feels mm-hmm. good. And so, like, I sing it a lot, I hum mm-hmm. it a lot. If I were to sing something in like karaoke, it'd probably be that one.
1: All right. Right on. You already mentioned, you already uh, answered the second Mm -hmm. one, which is, um, have you ever met the person or what was your experience with them? But I wanted to know what was going through your mind? Like, were you really happy when you were meeting Nate for the first time? Have you ever met Sam? Oh, it
0: was. So uh, I'll say this. Um, I like, especially at that time, I hadn't met a lot of. Musicians mm-hmm. or anything like that, so it was like this otherworldly experience, right? Like, oh man, I mean, how band. old were you? I would say sixteen. Okay, okay, uh, that would probably be about right, sixteen or seventeen. That,
1: sixteen is the like geekiest um, you can, yeah. Be with I know, people
0: because it, well, you're like just kind of like getting your license and mm-hmm. out in the world a little bit. And, I'm a man, and like it was like, <laughs> probably like probably one of the first five times I like went to a show without like Whoa. somebody like my older brother who yeah. was six years older than me or something like that. Like it was like the first time like. I drove like with friends Mm -hmm. to Chicago. Not the first time, like one of the first, like three or four times Mm -hmm. that like drove to Chicago alone with friends, Mm -hmm. and like it also was a cool experience because that candy became like the blueprint. Like I started going to a lot more shows because like we had so fun and it went so well. Yeah, that like it became it kind of opened up this world of like we're gonna go every weekend, you know, and we're who's at the fireside. It's gonna stay like this this? forever. It's gonna be like this forever. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. asked you the last time I went to a show, Uh, but uh, the. I met Sam so like I told you before like I was trying to play it cool for Nate like it wasn't whatever it's not a big deal you know it's sort of a thing and then at a different show at the end of the show um, I had my ticket stub and I had Sam sign it he was up on stage and just like they ended and again he's just standing there taking part his own pedal board on yeah. stage after they finished so sort of the humble thing. and so like you know there's a few people hanging around chatting with him and I'm like hey you know can you sign this for, like, for being like like yeah whatever I'm not, I'm not impressed by nate like trying to play it cool like mm-hmm. meeting sam for me was like <gasps> here, here you go sam like the, the cool again he played all the music he was the guy that like the guy that like he's the mind behind the, the yeah the majesty. and I've, I've always kind of like gravitated towards the like the silent like like because I'm not. <laughs> oh yeah, like, yeah. You know, that's I've always gravitated towards like the the silent, like stern creative type. Yes, like it's like yes. i like I respect that person because they only respect they they only uh express themselves mm-hmm. in in yeah. their art, you know. And yeah. so for him like meeting Steward. him was like, "Whoa. What is that?" So I met him like one time. Mm-hmm. Nate, I probably bumped into like twice, but uh hey, that's you know. pretty
1: awesome. Yeah, so that was about it. And and you had to see them at the height of their fame too, which is really
0: yeah. cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, it's was, it was kind of cool to I mean Again, we we talked about Fall Out Boy. Like those are the two bands that, like, you know, I got to see kind of go from almost nothing to a big thing,
1: bigger than you life. Know, to,
0: to randomly coming across their songs in public, to then you know, Fall Out Boy you hear in arenas now, and you hear fun. I mean, you hear fun in arenas too. Mm-hmm. So it's like one of those things where it is interesting. Like you know, you hear people talk about fun, and you hear their songs, places, and it's like one of those things where I'm like, hey, I met that guy when he was. You know, a scraggly uh, guy with uh, dirty long hair, and, you know, <laughs> basically living in a van, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, met him at the Metro and really freaked him out and love it, you know, <laughs> so.
1: And then they're asking for your autograph, they're like, because yeah. you met him one time. Oh, sure. Uh, that, I, I love it. I love I love hearing these kind of stories because these are some of the, fan, the, the bands that I grew up with. Um, finally... You're a little bit older now. Mm-hmm. You uh, have a little wisdom underneath your belt, and you're cool as a cucumber when it comes to mm-hmm. meeting these celebrities. So if you can meet Sam and Nate, what question would you ask them? Oh, man. Um, that's hard. I mean, again, I, I said
0: before that like I really identified with Sam when mm-hmm. I was a fan. And now like I have kids, and mm-hmm. Sam has a kid. And his priorities have totally shifted Mm -hmm. in a way like this seismic shift towards family and building a life and sustaining yourself Mm -hmm. in a way that my life has shifted. I don't do music anymore. I have no aspirations of being a touring musician, stuff like that. Whereas Nate went so far the other direction. He's now a nationally known big name in the music world, you know. yeah. And so it's one of those things where, like, I almost feel like I have nothing to say to Nate in the sense that it's like.
1: he. Sidebar, he does have a kid now. Oh, really? He, he I, did, does I didn't have know a, that. He does have a little daughter. I did look that up. I had no
0: idea. See, he, I haven't kept up with him at all because of it.
1: Yeah, he um he has a little daughter that is named something. Oh, here it is. He started dating English fashion designer Charlotte Ronson, okay. and they welcomed their first child, a son named Levin Ronson Rouse. Oh, and then cool. their second child, a daughter named Olympia Ronson, Ronson oh, that's cool. Rouse. I, I mean,
0: so yeah, being a boring adult now, I'd probably ask them something about parenthood and like having kids. And, you know, I've always wondered what it's like for these bands that, you know, you have a kid and, you know, sometimes you're, you're out on the road for six months or, f- you know, five months with mm-hmm. you know only I mean now at least there's like FaceTime and stuff, but like you're still not there for them. Yeah. And you're still leaving behind like a partner who's doing all the work mm-hmm. while you're out on the road. And sure you're earning money and stuff like that. But, you know, at some point it's it's just it's an interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. And that I'm kind of fascinated by it because again, having a kid shifts all of your priorities around. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. certainly seems like that's what happened with the format. Again, I'm guessing at this, but it's like Sam had a kid and suddenly it's like well, I don't want to tour nine months a year anymore. Yeah, you know uh, I don't want it now Sam stays home for the most part and records an album every now and then Mm -hmm. uh, near his house, you know Uh, Which actually um one thing that is kind of cool is his he has a video that his daughter uh, Directed like it's like really she shot it on like a home video camera and (laughs) They they made a video in their yard for one of his songs. Uh, It's the other side of you um so it's, it's worth kind of checking adorable. out but it's like it's fun like he has his little partner in, in crime you know and so it's like interesting to see that kind of shift from like the music to his family sort of a thing and so i'd probably ask you know questions about you know how how did your life change when you had a kid mm-hmm. you know and Basically, you know, it's pretty obvious for Sam how it changed, but mm. and so I guess I'd probably ask it to Nate now because he's still now in this position of fame.
1: Has he? Well, he hasn't done anything for a few years. Yeah. So maybe he, the, he had a solo. He did a solo song. <laughs> yeah, he did do the solo. It wasn't song. as successful as. Fun, and then one song with with Pink. He didn't yeah, yeah. It, like, he did. It. He's everywhere, man. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I like that. So you'd ask him to babysit. You'd yeah. be like, <laughs> yeah. Sam, I'm really busy. Yeah, I'm really, Gee, I'm really busy. Sam. Like, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go on tour. Uh, can you I gotta live my you lived your dream Sam yeah. I'm gonna live mine now for a little bit mike this is so much fun hey where well, can we where me. can we find more information on you on me
0: uh I mean uh, I never plug myself. I don't go on podcasts very often. So <laughs> this is your time. Um, you can to find shine, me on man. Twitter. Um, it's at Krifke, K R Y F K E. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Instagram too, but that's private, so don't don't bother. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, otherwise you can find some of my work at MikePoPost.com. dot com. I don't know. Oh, also, um, I used to do videos with friends uh, under the name Gorilla House uh Gorilla House Films or Gorilla House Productions. Um What, so you you're can, the Gorilla House? Gorilla House? What? Well, yeah, yeah, we're the Gorilla House. <laughs> um but uh actually it's worth checking out because uh, a buddy of mine actually we we kind of pivoted from films to my my friend publishes novels wow. under under the title of Gorilla House now. So uh that's the the publication company we 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 do. So that's worth checking out. He he writes good stuff. I'm not mm-hmm. taking credit for his thing, but it's probably more worth your time than anything I'm up to. So <laughs>
1: Is your so is he the Sam and you're the Nate or Uh, are you the Nate and
0: he's the Sam? I would say no, he's more the Sam. There's Jack McWiggin he has a book called Dog Walker Mm -hmm. set in Chicago. Wow. Um so that's worth that's worth uh checking out. But uh it's it's weird. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a sci fi horror sort of a thing.
1: Cool. I'll check it out.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's not really a plug for me. Sorry. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I give you this you know, time to, to talk to our millions you know, of listeners. You know, I is...
0: should say, I should say, just check out WGN Radio and <laughs> look at the videos that I make every day. Yeah, I was going to say,
1: their... yeah, Mike, uh, you do an awesome job making yeah. all the videos for WGN. Thank you. And if you want to see any of our great, great hits and and the potential award-winning videos that Mike puts on, <sighs> WGNRadio.com. Mm-hmm. Mike, I can't wait to talk about dog problems with you.
0: Yeah, we'll
1: get set up. <laughs> all right, thanks for joining us on this episode of Two Dudes, One. One disc. Thanks for having me. We'll just go out on a little first single. See you next week.